Praise the Lord. I want to ask you to turn with me to Luke chapter 19. Our title this morning is Daily Living with Holy Spirit. We've been in a, on a journey talking about Holy Spirit for the last couple of weeks, and, and it's all in line with what we have started in the beginning of the year is living the way. We want to live like Jesus wants us to live. And one of the things that we realize is that to enable us to live like He wants us to live, we want to become like Jesus. And for us to become like Jesus, we've got to have Holy Spirit in our lives to teach us who Jesus is. And, and so there's this incredible portion of Scripture that I want us to read to, together this morning. And um, you know what I'm going to ask you to do? Have you got something to read from? We're not going to put it up there because it's a portion of Scripture that you're not going to. If you have something, please open it because it's nice to read it together. If you don't have Bibles, you do that swipe thing with your finger. Do that. That's fine. Just get away from the games and WhatsApp and all those messages. Just go to the ASV Bible thing that you've got on your, bio, on your phone and just, you know, focus with us. All right? I want us to read together a portion, but I want us to do something different when we do that. And just stand. No. And, and standing is not like, hey, we've got to stand because through that we're trying to say something. It's just, hey, we love the word. We're going to read the word together standing this morning. Is that okay? So we're going to read from Luke chapter 19. And you don't have to read loud because then it'll be a mess because some of you have different translations. And there's Shona and English and whatever. I'm going to read and you can just follow in your own Bible. I'm reading from the ESV, the English Standard Version. Verse 11. Are you there? Quickly swipe page. Luke chapter 19, verse 11, it says, and it's just also nice for the others to stand with me while I'm standing, that I don't feel alone. So thank you for doing that. It says the following. I'm going to read a portion um, up to the end of verse 27. It says the following. And as they heard these things, he proceeded to tell a parable because he was near to Jerusalem and because they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. He said, this is Jesus, therefore, a nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then return. Calling ten of his servants, he gave them ten miners and said to them, Engage in business until I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned, having received the kingdom, he ordered these servants to whom he had given the money to be called to him that he might know what they had gained by doing business. The first came before him, saying, Lord, your miner has made ten miners more. And he said to him, Well done, good servant. Because you have been faithful in a very little, you shall have authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, your miner has made five miners. And he said to him, And you are to be over five cities. Then another came, saying, Lord, here is your miner, which I had kept laid away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are a severe man. You take what you did not deposit and reap what you did not sow. He said to him, I will condemn you with your own words, you wicked servant. You knew that I was a severe man, taking what I did not deposit and reaping what I did not sow. Why then did you not put my money in the bank? And at my coming, I might have collected it. With interest. And he said to those who stood by, Take the miner from him and give it to the one who has the ten miners. And they said to him, Lord, he has ten miners. I tell you the truth to everyone who has, more will be given, but from the one who has not, 
even what he has will be taken away. But as for these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slaughter them before me. Yes, wonderful, hey? On that very high positive note, you're welcome to take your seats. <laughs> Great. We're going to talk about Holy Spirit. How in the world are we going to get there from this portion of Scripture? That's going to be interesting. Anyway, so praise the Lord for His Word. We want to highly regard the Word of God and simply just standing as a, as a it's just an expression saying, God, we value your word. We really do. So here we find in Luke chapter 19 where Jesus says to them, you know, we're going to go to Jerusalem. And, and, and they think that as they appear, oh, as, he, as he comes closer to Jerusalem, you know, now the time has come for him to become the king that they thought he will be. The king that rules from a palace. But he's not going to be that kind of a king. They, it says here, they supposed, in verse 11, they supposed that the kingdom of God was to appear immediately. They thought, as was the, as was the tradition, if you go to a major city, um, as, as a prominent person like this, you will probably be now recognized and made the king. People did that even going to Rome. They would then get their authority or whatever it is. And they thought that maybe this is a time Jesus is going to become the king and he's going to sort out these Romans and wipe them out and, and do what we think he should be doing, like we often do with God, isn't it? Like, God, you're going to do this, eh? <laughs> you're going to sort it out the way that we think you should sort out? And so we're actually seeking you for what we want from you, not from what you have for us. That was just a by-thought, eh? It's not part of the sermon this morning. It's just we often approach God for what we want from him. They followed him thinking he's going to become the king. Wiped out these Romans and a political uh, climate will be changing. Watch out that we don't serve God for what we want from him but for what he deserved from us. Okay? And so here we find him then introducing this, this parable in a moment where clearly what was coming was not the way that he was expected to rule. He was going to rule differently. He was going to die on a cross. He was not going to go to a palace. And so in this moment of them expecting something, something else was going to happen. And we see, we saw last week when, I, when we spoke about Holy Spirit being introduced, they thought that Jesus was going to be around forever. And he says, no, no, I'm going to be going away and it's going to be better for you that I leave. Because once I leave, somebody else can come and then we'll be, they will be with you, inside of you forever, not just beside you. And so it was difficult for them to understand this. And, and so here we have this, this parable of the ten miners. And just want to quickly look at some of the role players within the story that we can try to derive something, I believe, important from it. It says, first of all, we find a noble man who went away for a specific purpose. And I, Jesus is introducing something incredibly important here. He's actually telling them, this is me. This is about my life. I'm this noble man. I'm this person that's going to leave but I'll be returning as a nobleman did. And so here we find Jesus in actually preparing them for the fact that he was going to leave. It says here, he's going to go away to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. We know that Jesus did this. He has, re he has gone. He has left. He hasn't returned yet. How many of you have seen Jesus around since he's left? Nobody. Uh-huh. It's not Jesus, the guy from Portugal that um, plays soccer or whatever. That's not Jesus, all right? There's a couple of Jesus guys or whatever. Uh, but, but this is the Jesus that, that has gone 
And he's always had his kingdom. He's not gone to fetch it. But he's returning to reign as king. And so he actually introduces us to this fact that, that on his return, as it says in the story, he was going to return having received what he had went for. And then a nobleman in the story calls ten of his servants. And may I say that these servants in this context speaks of us in our context. That Jesus says, guys, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm coming back. But in the meantime, you, my servants, I've got a job for you. There's something that you need to do. You can't just wait and wait. You've you got to... You've got to be part of what I want you to do. And, and so the nobleman calls his servants, which are us. And he gives to each one of these servants a minor. A minor is a, is a monetary um, unit. It, it really speaks about three months' wages. And let's not try to understand what it would be in our context today because it could be completely confusing. But, but the point is that he gives them something to, to work with in his absence. He says, I'm coming back. But I'm giving you something. And the interesting thing of that, about this story, the story of the ten miners, it, it differs from the, the te- story of the talents that Jesus also shares as a parable. He says in the story of the parables, he said, listen, there's, there's five for you. There's two for you. There's one for you. And so he gives out not the same proportion. But here in this story, he says, there's one for you. There's one for you. There's one for you. There's one for you. So everybody gets the same. Uh-huh. But not everybody deals with what they receive the same. Because we see later on when he returns that, that some dealt well with it, but others not so well. And so we, we see that just there's something of a responsibility that's handed over to them. And then the master says to them, when he hands out these miners, one each, he says, guys, I want you to stay engaged in business. I want you to use what you have to do your normal tasks. He doesn't appoint them and say, okay, with your minor, I want you to do. I want you to now go and do X, Y, Z with it. He says, whatever you're busy with, use your minor, carry on doing what you're busy with. Because the Greek word here, which I have to read, it's this wonderful word, pragmatiomai. Do you get that? Pragmatiomai means to keep occupied, to busy oneself, to be fruitful. So what he's actually saying in this portion where he says, do business or engage in business until I come, he says, continue to live your simple life. Not try to do some special task or some project now. Just carry on with what you've been doing, but stay faithful in that and become fruitful in it. And here's a minor, by the way, to help you to do that. And so the master leaves them to carry on with their normal business, but with a gift to assist in that so that they can be fruitful. And so then we also find these other dodgy guys, these other citizens, which aren't you. Just tell your your neighbor, you're not dodgy. Okay, just tell them if you have a neighbor. Some of you don't have a neighbor because they're so far away from you. If you don't, just shout across the neighborhood gap. Um, but he's talking about some other citizens that are dodgy guys. And, and, and these citizens hated him because they went behind his back and they and said, ah, we don't want you to reign over us, which really relates to this world that we're in that despises the work of Christ and would put pressure on those doing business by trying to stop them. So there are those citizens around. Let's not call them by name. People that are wanting to stop you and me from being faithful in what God's called us to do. And until he returns, we're supposed to engage in what he's 
has called us to do. But there are people who say, ah, why serve God? Why be faithful with the minor in your hand? Why, why, why? You can live for yourself. And so then we see that the nobleman in the story returns, and it refers to Christ will be returning. And then once he returns, he, he questions each one of them what they had done with what he, was, what he had given them. And the same will apply. Whether Jesus comes back before I die or I die first, he's going to ask me, so what did you do with what I asked of you? And I'm going to have to give an account. So whatever I do right now is hugely important. It's not just I'm going to die and then, ha, I'm going to swerve up to heaven or whatever. Like Jesus is going to say, hey, what did you do? I gave you. I expected of you to love your wife. How did you do that? That's a minor in your hand. Whatever minor it is that God is expecting of me to do, he's going to ask of me. And so the nobleman returns and he questions and, and then he gets a response. And then we see that he, the measure of their faithfulness is celebrated. The fact that they were faithful with what he left them to do. But the measure of their unfaithfulness is condemned. And so guys, don't think that we just, we can do whatever we want to do and uh, it's not noticed. The level of our, our unfa unfaithfulness is seen and it will be condemned and our faithfulness will be celebrated. So we don't live in fear now, but we just reckon, hey, I've got a responsibility. Wow, I live today. And so the form of reward then eventually from this nobleman is that he gives him authority over cities. Jesus uses this story to teach us something very important about faithfulness in everyday affairs. While we are here on earth, whilst we are here, we've got to be faithful. So clearly we've seen that Jesus has left the earth. Out of the story, Jesus has left the earth. Amen? If you dispute that, just come and talk to Kilton and he will help you. But if you think that Jesus is still around, he's not around. Okay? Jesus has left the earth. But Jesus has left provision. Like a miner. And I'm not in any way trying to diminish Holy Spirit to just a minor, a monetary unit. But Jesus has left provision. He says, I will not leave you alone. But when I leave, I will leave you a comforter, a helper. And in this context here, it is monetary unit that, that is used to, to help us in our task. But Jesus has left us not only, he's, he's not only left us, he's not only left us with provision, he's left us with purpose, a task in hand. We are not just to try to breathe behind a mask and stay alive. We are here to live for his glory. And Jesus clearly will return. And clearly we will appear before him. Whether I die before he returns or whether he returns before I die, I'm going to appear before him and I'm going to have to give an account of the life that I've lived whilst I was here on earth. So faithfulness comes in. And Jesus will require feedback. And Jesus will reward. And so I want to link this story with the fact that Jesus also promised that, he will, that we will receive a special companion when he leaves us. And that will be a gift from above. That when he leaves, as he said to the, each servant, he says, there's a minor for you. But as Jesus left, again in other parts, he said, I will not leave you alone. I will leave you with someone, not something. Yeah, he gave something to them. But we also see that, that Jesus handed out, handed out a gift that is not something, but is a person. 
And in Luke 24, verse 29, just further on in the chapter, in the book of Luke. Are you all with me? Wiggle your tongue. I don't know if I can see it. But Luke 24, 20, 49, he says this, And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in that city until you are clothed from, with power from on high. We read that Jesus says to them, something is going to happen. Page with me quickly to Acts chapter 1. And we're going to read from there. The following Jesus again, speaking to them. He says in Acts chapter 1 verse 4, he says, well, only he's not saying it, but Luke is writing this. He says, and while staying with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said... The following, you heard from me, for John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, see how this thing comes in again. In Luke chapter 19, we saw that they thought that the kingdom is coming, that they wanted. Yeah, they're still thinking like that. He says, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So political change, my, my Lord, is that going to happen? We're like, we're going to have a godly ruler we're going to have all these ungodly men taken away so that we can live in peace. Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father is fixed by his own authority. But, verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So Jesus says, guys, I'm going. Like he said in Luke 19 in this parable, the master is going to go, but he will return. But when he goes... In that context, he said he has a minor to do business. In this context, he says he has my Holy Spirit to do business so that he will help you with your everyday affairs to be fruitful. And we see that this gift, as we see there was a minor given as a gift. They didn't deserve it. It was handed out freely. You saw that? As same, ha the same happens when Holy Spirit is given to us. We see him as a gift because the first time that somebody gets up and preaches about Jesus in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, read this with me, where you see Peter having just stood up, he says the following, verse 38. I ask him, what shall we now do? Because we realize we've sinned against God by crucifying Jesus. He says in verse 38, And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. It's very important that we understand that this actually talks about the gift as being Holy Spirit, not the Holy Spirit, a gift from Holy Spirit, like the gift of the Spirit. It's talking about the Holy Spirit being the gift. So when the master says, I'm going to go away, in Luke chapter 19, he hands out minors and he hands it, gives it to people so that they can complete the business until he comes back. Here he says, I'm giving you a gift as well. And Peter says, guys, the gift has come. Jesus has left, but the gift is here. The gift is empowering us. The gift is enabling us. And so clearly we see that there's a gift. So I want to encourage you this morning. We've got to recognize that Jesus has left. And it's not in any way discrediting him at all. He said, I've come. My time is finished. I'll come back. I'll come back. But until I come back, I've got to leave you so that someone else can come. And he's going to be an incredible gift to you. You don't deserve him, but he's going to live with you daily. 
and He's going to enable you to do your normal business, but you know, in such a way that you will be incredibly fruitful in this. And so He's actually encouraging us to be faithful with the gift that has been made available to us. So that's why last week when we said of the Trinity, this is probably the most unrecognized God of the three of them. That's why often we refer to, unfortunately, he is seen as the forgotten God that he has been given to each one of us. He's been left here on earth as a gift to us as believers. We're like, oh, I don't know, that's, that's weird stuff. Holy Spirit. And, and they're like, oh, these weird things. I don't know. But he's here. And he says, when I return, I want to ask you, so what did you do with the gift that I gave you? The gift of salvation, first of all. He will ask those that, that do not know him. So I, I, made him, I made myself available to you. And then to the believers, he'll say, but I made Holy Spirit available to you. And you said, well, I couldn't, and I, I battled, and I, and I always tried on my own. He said, well, I gave you the gift. What did you do? And so I want to just encourage you this morning that, that we are called to be faithful with Holy Spirit. And John, if we can quickly just go there, John chapter 7, it speaks about how we can be faithful because John, John chapter 7, oh boy, I wish I had like three hours to talk through these things. It's so incredibly beautiful. In John chapter 7, Jesus is, is, is speaking and, and on, in chapter 7, verse 37, he says, On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out. He makes a bold statement. He's not just whispering this. He's crying out this. Very important. If you want to say something and you want people to hear, you're like, hey, come on, everybody, listen up. It's not just uh, if you want to listen. It's just I want to make this strong statement. And, uh, I know it's important, but if you don't want to listen, it's fine. No, Jesus is crying out. Very important thing that he wants to say. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit had not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. And so Jesus is saying, guys, there's someone coming that I want you to be faithful with and to. He's going to live inside of you. And if you believe in me, if you believe in him, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. It'll so empower you. It'll so change you. It'll so nourish you. It'll so refresh you. It'll so um, cleanse you that that'll flow out. I want you to be faithful with what you're about to receive. And I want to just give you six practical ways, quickly, of how we can be faithful with Holy Spirit, which is really why we're calling it the daily living with Holy Spirit. How can we daily, not just once a week on a Saturday when we come together and you do this and you do that and we're now faithful to Holy Spirit. It's every day. It's when you leave from here. How can you remain faithful with Holy Spirit? And the first thing I want to say is we are faithful when we allow Holy Spirit to help us know who God is. We are faithful when we allow Him to help us know who God is. Oh boy, these things are so important. We, we take ourselves to um, 
First Corinthians, I'm going to read from there just a couple of verses and, and, and just see how Holy Spirit can help us to get to know God because He's not come just to help people speak in tongues and have powerful ministries and He's come to help us know who God is. And we are faithful to Him when we allow Him to do that. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14, he says the following, Paul writing, he says, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Who is the natural person? It's us, but us not being redeemed yet. Because once we're redeemed and we're saved through the blood of Jesus, our natural person receives the Spirit of God into us. And so we're not naturally anymore. We're actually supernaturally natural. Come on. You're not just... What we've done to ourselves, we've limited ourselves to just a body and a flesh. And that part of you cannot receive the things of God. But the Holy Spirit has come so that you may understand the things of God. Because it says there, boy, I've got to watch my voice. I've got to still do this again next, next meeting. It says, the things of the Spirit of God cannot be understood and accepted by the natural man. For they are folly to him. Before we got saved, we had no clue about God. We didn't understand the Bible. It didn't make sense to us. But once we are renewed by the Spirit of God, we start, oh, I'm interested in this stuff. I want to be in a meeting on a Sunday where I can listen to these things. I want to talk to my brothers about the things of God that feeds my soul. And boy, if you're not interested in the things of the Spirit of God, then you're going to question yourself, are you really born again? Seriously. Are you really born again or have you drifted away so much from God that you're like, oh no, the things of God don't interest anymore. My natural man has taken over. Because here it says, the natural man, it's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. These are spiritual things. But then in verse 9, if we go back, it says, it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things no eye has seen, no ear has heard. But these things in verse 10 says, the things, these things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. Oh, it's beautiful, this. It says that the, in verse 12, now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but we have received the Spirit is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. Guys, the things of the Spirit and the things of God and who God is only possible to understand through Holy Spirit inside of us. And so none of us have an excuse. If you're born again, the Spirit of God lives within you. And therefore you are not just a natural person. All of us are spiritual, whether we're saved or not. We have a body, soul, and a spirit. We operate mostly by just our body and what our mind says. We don't allow the Spirit of, our, of God in us to, to function more properly. And so here we see that if we allow Holy Spirit, if we're faithful with what He's come to do, we will get to know God for who He is. And so if you battle to understand God, which I do, I go to my helper. I go to my teacher. And I say, Holy Spirit, inside of me, please help me. My natural man does not understand these things. But won't you come and please revive my spirit so that I can see who you are? And understand who Jesus is. And understand the Father so that I can love them more and obey them easier. Because I want to. See how simple that is? The more we see who God is, 
which Holy Spirit will help us to, the more we can become like God that we ought to be. The second thing I want to mention is that we are faithful when we allow Holy Spirit to show us who we are. And that's not trying to elevate man above what he's supposed to be. But God says something about you. And the natural man does not understand these things. But when we allow the Spirit of God in us, we start seeing. And won't you go with me to Romans? We, we're jumping around some verses this morning, which I hope will, will in, incredibly encourage you. But Romans 8 verses 12. Um, it says, so then, brothers, we are debtors. Oh, by the way, Romans chapter 8 is like the chapter of the Bible. And, and you can see so much of the Spirit of God in that portion. You've got to study it. He says, so then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We're not supposed to live according to the flesh. And we don't owe the flesh anything. We've got to just feed it and look after it. But our main responsibility is towards the Spirit. For verse 13 says, for if you live according to the flesh, you will die. I'm talking about a spiritual death, not just a physical death. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Our identity starts becoming known. And daughters, by the way. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And so once the Spirit of God lives in you, and you want to be faithful with what He has come to be and to do, you recognize that He teaches you that you are a child of God. And because of that, and if children, verse 17, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So we find our identity through allowing Holy Spirit to show us that we have a Father that we can cry out, Abba, which is a dear and, and, and a word of, of, of closeness and intimacy that is used to say, Daddy, God. And it's not in any way lowering him to our standards. But as I saying, the spirit inside of me identifies with me that I'm his son and his daughter. And I can call him Papa, Father. I know who I am because spirit of God inside of me teaches me. We've got to move on. But these things are so incredibly important. The next thing that we are taught also from this portion is that we are faithful when we allow Holy Spirit to live in and through us. Romans 8 verse 9 to 13 says the following, you however are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, which he does if we are born again, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, which we know he does, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So once we recognize that Holy Spirit is in us, and we want to be faithful with this gift that's been given to us, we say, Holy Spirit, why don't you just live through us then? Because I'm not governed by my flesh. The spirit of 
The Holy Spirit lives in me. It's the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead resides in me. Therefore, He brings life to my mortal body. He makes me come alive. He makes me long to do the right things. He makes me give, He gives me a desire to live righteously. I don't have to try to be, I don't have to try to do the right things. I just allow Him in me to live through me, as we saw that point said. The fourth thing that, that, we are encouraged to be faithful with in regards to the Holy Spirit is that we are faithful when we allow Holy Spirit to help us hear and obey God. And this is a teaching and a moment to stop on by itself. Is when Holy Spirit living inside of us gives us promptings and He stirs us through speaking to us, that still small voice through dreams and visions, through just impressions, through thoughts that just come from God. We, we, we then find that the gifts of the Spirit come in line here, and which we will talk about still. But you know what? You're faithful with Holy Spirit by allowing Him to speak to you and then obeying Him. Those simple promptings, folk, is daily living stuff with Holy Spirit. You... Sit at home and you feel to do whatever it is that will benefit the house. And you're at work and you feel you've got to do something to benefit somebody else. And you just start living beyond yourself and you start thinking about others. And, and it's not just what, what I want, but what God wants others, what God has for others and what He wants to do through me to help them to get what He has for them. That's the simple way in which God, the Holy Spirit, wants to work through us. Two more, we... We are faithful when we allow Holy Spirit to help us have godly ambitions and desires. We see this throughout Scripture that Moses was amongst these people and he saw their incredible depravity and he saw that they were treated as slaves and he had this ambition to set them be freed. Where did that come from? It's a godly thing. He had an ambition in his heart to see his people freed. We see how David comes to this this giant called Goliath as a little boy, shepherd boy, and, he, and nobody told him to do it, and God didn't tell him to go and slay the, the giant Goliath, but he saw something in that moment that said, I have an ambition in my heart. I have a desire to see my God glorified above what this enemy is saying. Something in him rose up because Holy Spirit gave him desire to conquer. We see how Paul has this longing throughout Scripture. He has this longing to be with people, to see them trained and equipped. And we are beneficiaries of that today still, of all the letters he wrote. He sat in prison writing letters because he had this passion in him to see people established in their faith. He saw a desire, he had a desire in him to see the church of God grow. A holy ambition, a godly desire. And so Holy Spirit comes and He resides in us to give us these godly ambitions. And many of you sitting here today perhaps have tried to suppress those things. Like, no, not me. Others, Lord, not me. Maybe somebody else, God. Not, no, Lord, it's, I'm too busy and whatever. And God has given you a desire, young and old, whatever it may be, simple stuff. Even in this time that we're in, there's such a need for us to reach out to people. Maybe God is stirring your heart, and it's a holy desire that He's put in you. Don't ignore it. 
If you don't know how to do it, rather come talk to us and say, well, I've got this. We don't have the answers, but let's talk together. Let's trust God together to make a difference to love our neighbor. There's godly things in you. Don't ignore them. Don't reject them. It's a way in which you can be faithful with a gift to go doing your business. And the last one I want to say is that we are faithful when we allow Holy Spirit to do through us what we would never do by ourselves. An epic example of this is Acts chapter 1, verse 14. I'll read it to you. Sorry, Acts chapter 2, verse 14. Acts chapter 2, verse 14 says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Doesn't sound profound, does it? But this is the Peter that stood in front of one young girl and two other individuals and denied that he knew Jesus. This is the same Peter that's now standing in front of thousands and saying these words that you find in the rest of that chapter. Something that he would never do before, now he starts doing. Because the Spirit of God is within him and he is faithful with the gift that he has received. And he does something that he would never have done by himself. And so we are sitting here today and we are overcome with what the world throws at us. We're like, no, I can't. Never me. Somebody else. And what we're doing is we're actually denying the very presence of Holy Spirit within us and saying, no, no, you can't help me. And I'm not equipped for this, so I'm not bailing. I'm bailing out. I can't. And I'm not talking about major stuff. I'm talking about, remember that word that I said, pragmatiomai, doing your daily business. Maybe say, I don't know if I can still be faithful to one wife, one husband. I don't know if I can still raise my children in the way that they should be raised. I just hand it over to somebody else. I don't know if I can still be honest in a world where there's such a lot of corruption around me. I don't know this. I don't know that. I don't know. Never mind God calling me to come and just sweep the streets, whatever simple thing it is. I don't know, God. God says, with my spirit inside of you, you will do things that you will never, ever be able to do by yourself. But that's why I've come as a gift to live in you and to live through you. Daily stuff. Daily stuff. 